a fully managed social media presence for CEOs. Executive presence is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. May is Military Appreciation Month. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.com slash celebrate. Show your own support for our troops with hashtag Mission Military Thanks. Today we're talking with Navy veteran Justin Nasiri from Executive Presence. Justin, a lot of great things uh, to talk about. You're doing some awesome things with uh, Executive Presence. Before we get into all that, take us back and tell us what you did when you are in the Navy. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me, Joe, and really excited to connect with you today. Um, I started out, I went to the Naval Academy and then uh, service selected into submarines. So I spent five years mostly on the USS Alaska um, uh, uh, Boomer and then a little bit of time on the USS Chicago, a fast attack. And so spent uh, five years on submarines. The last position I had was assistant engineer. And um, yeah, it was a great time. Still love connecting with those guys I served with. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said the smartest guys in the military are Navy submarine officers. <laughs> well, you know, the level of cynicism we have on submarines that one of the things I love about the community, I would say the smartest people we're smart enough not to go on submarines, but um, <laughs> I liked it. I love the work. I love the people and the camaraderie. And you do have like a lot of really smart people with the South park style of, of humor. So it was pretty fun. Yeah. So, um, when you decided to get out of the Navy, was it a, was it a quick decision? Was, was a long time coming? Did you prepare for it? What was your transition like? I knew, I knew. Um, so I, I was on boomers. I went on the Chicago just to kind of tour fast boats and do a tour with them and make sure I wasn't making the wrong decision getting out. I think ultimately for me, it was just the desire one day to have a wife and kids and just didn't want to be away from them, even though little did I know that would come 10, you know, 10 plus years later. But, um, so I did, did make the transition in my mind and, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I just kind of thought like, I like leading people. I imagine that has something to do with business. So I'll go to business school. So before I got out, I worked on, you know, on my deployments, I worked on my applications to go to business school. Didn't really know anything when I went. And that's a regret that I have. I wish I would have done some more homework in advance to understand what was out there. Because when I went to business school, which is not cheap, by the way, you know, so much of my time was just spent learning the basics of like, okay, you're an investment banker. Does that mean you're a teller at a bank? Oh, no, it means that you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and doing these huge financial models and doing stuff like that. So I feel like a lot of my business school education was fairly superficial because I was just learning the basics. And I wish I would have done a lot more reading and, and more importantly, like coffee chats with other veterans just to say like, okay, what is it that you do for a living? Would I like that? Would I not like that? And uh, I could have in a more inexpensive way found out some of those basics. Yeah. I mean, for any veteran that gets out, going back to school or going to college for the first time, not a bad place to land, especially with the current yeah. GI Bill. If you yep. really want to go to school, because I mean, if yeah. nothing else, to give you give you some time to clear your head and um, look to the left and right of I and mean, figure out which direction you want to go when when you get out of school. So, um, 
what sort of things started uh, percolating for you as you're finishing up your MBA? So I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of most people I went to school with. Most people I, I know wrote their applications saying they wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then midway through, they decided to go into finance or consulting. I was the opposite. And then I thought, like, I'm going to be a consultant. I'm going to go to a big company. I'll get the academic experience at business school. And then I'll get the practical experience in a variety of industries with consulting, which, by the way, I think is a great play for veterans. Um, but Towards the end of my time, I started tinkering on a business idea and ultimately, you know, through a series of events, ended up starting a company instead of going to a 10,000 plus person company. And so there's definitely some pros and cons to that approach, but my path ended up being graduating, having an idea, incorporating, and then just trying to build a company from the ground up. Yeah. And so you're, you went to the academy, you're in the Navy, now you're getting your MBA and you go right into launching your own company. I, I did. Yeah. You know, the, the, the benefit of that is, um, I feel like so much of entrepreneurial success is mindset. I think it's a lot of it. And so having the balls to do that and that, you know, not really knowing any different is, it is a huge advantage because I took some really big risks, not knowing they were big risks. And a lot of them paid off. Like I went to a company called Intuit, this massive company, and I didn't even have a product. And I pitched them, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollar a year contract and they signed up. And in retrospect, if I was doing that today, I would be like, maybe asking for a thousand dollars. Like it was just such a, a courageous move and it worked out. The downside was, um, you know, I had to kind of create everything from scratch. It's not like I had worked in a company where I knew about human resources or hiring people or company culture or sales or marketing. So the downside was I was, you know, making a million mistakes a day because I didn't have anything to fall back on. And, and the other one is, you know, the business school and the military were both great networks. But had I gone to an established company, that would have been another network of people. And I'm realizing, you know, 10 years later, uh, so much of success is who you know. And so if you can go to a well-known company that has great people, those people are going to be an asset for the rest of your career because you're able to reach out and say, hey, we both worked at this great company. Can I get 10 minutes of your time? Can I get an introduction? And those little things, both advice and introductions can make the difference between success or failure in a company. Yeah. So looking back on things, the lack of the civilian entrepreneurial network was huge for you. I think, um, yeah. And I think I don't, I don't want to dissuade veterans listening because I've, I've met vets who went straight. I, I know people who started a company while on active duty and they've been wildly successful. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing I want to say is that like, whatever you want to do, there's someone who's done it. Like you don't, there's no tried and true. There's no one way. For me, I'm really grateful for business school. It taught me a lot and I met a lot of great people. And I do kind of wish that I'd gotten at least some startup experience on someone else's dime prior to me starting a company. And, you know, I think that I could have really benefited from two or three years learning the language, seeing what it looks like. You know, I, I know we'll talk about executive presence in a little bit, but um, this is the I've started I've built and sold two companies. This is my third company. 
And this company is the first time I've experienced what's called product market fit, which is when you're selling something and you've got wind in your sales. It's just a really good fit. None of my companies before experienced that. And it was a hundred times harder. And I, I think that if I had had experience at another startup that was really succeeding, I would have experienced and known like, okay, this is what it's like when you're on the right path. And that would have had me shut down those first two companies a lot faster because I would have realized uh, there's something here, but not enough to make this something big. And I wasted quite a bit of time tinkering on something that ultimately wasn't ever going to be that big. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, That's a good spot for a take a quick break and we'll be right back. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to thank the men and women in the U.S. military for their important commitment to our country. For more than 90 years, Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help people in the military community, and I've been a member for 33 of those years. Navy Federal Credit Union is open to all branches of the military, veterans, and their families. Navy Federal's employees are veterans and military spouses, which makes them a part of the community they serve. They get you. They understand their members better than anyone. Members can enjoy earnings and savings of $349 per year, a regular savings rate four times higher than the industry average an average credit card APR that's 5% lower than the industry average, award-winning 24-7 stateside member service, over 350 branches worldwide, and a 0.25% discounted rate on VA loans. Show your own support for our troops with hashtag MissionMilitaryThanks. Learn more about how Navy Federal is celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.com celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Dollar value shown represents the results of the 2021 Navy Federal member give back study. Credit card value claim based on 2021 internal average APR assigned to members compared to advertised industry APR average published on creditcards.com. NFCU reserves the right to change or discontinue promotions and rates at any time without notice. If you're starting a new business, one of the first things you'll need is a new website. Hostinger makes creating and launching your new website easy even for the beginner. You can launch a website or online shop in minutes, no technical or design skills required, less than $3 a month, including a free domain name. Launch a WordPress website in one click or use Hostinger's drag and drop website builder. 150 plus templates for e-commerce, blogs, portfolios, landing pages. Create a logo in seconds with Hostinger's AI logo maker, which is built on top of ChatGPT. I've launched a few websites over the years and it's never as easy as it looks. But Hostinger makes it easy. Finally, someone figured out how to make it easy. Go to hostinger.com slash veteran to get everything you need to create a website for under $3 a month. As a special bonus for all Veteran on the Move listeners, use promo code veteran to get an extra 10% off. That's hostinger.com slash veteran. All right, back talking with Navy veteran Justin Nasiri from Executive Presence. So, so Justin, you, um, Executive Presence is your third company. You had some tough times in your first couple of companies, but ultimately they were a success and you were able to sell them. So tell us about where your idea came from. Uh, where did you come up with the idea for Executive Presence? So both of the companies I had started previously were in the social media space. And yeah. as a result, I was spending a lot of time on LinkedIn. And what I started to see was there were people who were publishing content every day on LinkedIn. And they were getting millions of views. And excuse me, as an entrepreneur, I thought, wow, if I had a million views a day 
that would help me hire faster, fundraise more efficiently, sell better. Like I realized right away, that's an enormous asset for me as a business owner. But I also started to realize that those people didn't necessarily have the most expertise or the best experience. They had just spent a lot of time cultivating an audience. And when I stepped back and looked at other military vets and business school classmates who had built massively successful companies, I thought these people have superior expertise and experience, but they're building an empire. They're never going to take the time to put in all this work to cultivate an audience. So what I said is, look, if we can find a way to bridge that gap, if we can find a way to pull their stories authentically and in a a time efficient way, because they're very busy and in a measurable way, not only will that leader or CEO win because they they benefit from the audience, not only will we win because we'll make a lot of money, but LinkedIn wins because you start to learn from people who have built billion dollar organizations who have a lot of wisdom to impart. And so that was the starting point, uh, you know, January of 2022, when I started going out and selling this as a service. And it just took hold right away in a way that nothing had before for me. Uh, I spent about $3,000 in sales and marketing, and we built up in just five months to what's called a a million dollars in annual recurring revenue. So every year we had contracts that would generate a million years. And it had taken me three years before to do that, $2 million in funding, and this was completely bootstrapped. And so, you know, it was the first time where I was like, man, I really wish I had experienced this a decade ago because all that time wandering in the wilderness, I didn't really need to, to, to push a boulder uphill like that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you, you touched on it, but talk a little bit about the difference between like your first two companies where you equate it to trying to push a boulder uphill to your third one where it just, it just took off from, from day one. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of people, uh, I've been guilty of it myself, uh, especially like trying to create certain products on Amazon, that kind of thing, where you fall in love with your idea, but you don't, yeah. you don't test your idea. You don't take it to the consumer and get proper feedback to know if there's really a strong demand for it or not. Yeah. I think, I think the simplest takeaway for me is follow the money. If you share a business idea with friends, they like you, they're going to compliment it. Most people hate to say no or give negative feedback. And that's true for customers as well. I'm a big fan of the phrase that buyers are liars. Most people, when you're selling a product or a service, will be like, oh, I love it. I want to do this. And then they never sign up. They never actually write a check. So I feel like the simplest way to remove all that noise and distraction is to just look at the money. And with executive presence, it was people writing very large checks very quickly. And so to get more precise, I was looking at things like sales cycle from the very first conversation to a contract signed. How long did that take? And it was taking about 20 days, which was very fast. And I was looking at things like average order value. What's the average price that people are spending? And that was a very high number. And so I quickly did the math and said, okay, I could hire and build out a team. And this is a very profitable business. But I feel like whether you're selling a product on Amazon, selling a service, building software, the only thing that matters is revenue. 
Flattery doesn't matter. Investors who are interested doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is money hitting your bank account. Everything else, you have to really develop a healthy dose of skepticism because you're going to get a lot of positive feedback that doesn't translate to money. And money is the only thing that validates an idea. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of social media managers and social media managing companies out there. How do you distinguish yourself from all that? So when I graduated from business school 10 years ago, that was the first time that like social media, Facebook was coming on the scene. And I saw a huge shift. And that was that companies used to get by with TV ads and magazines. That's one-way communication. But when Facebook came along, everything changed because Facebook and other social media sites said, look, you need a company page. You need a company presence. And it's not one way. You're going to have to produce content. People are going to comment on it and interact with it. And you need to go back and forth with them. You need to have a dialogue. So that was a huge step. And that created a billion dollar industry of companies who were selling businesses on creating a social media presence. In the same way that back in the 90s, we had websites, which were a new thing. We're now in a different stage where it's not about faceless companies. It's not about Coca-Cola as this faceless entity pushing out ads. It's gone one step further. And what we've seen is a leader's personal social media presence is the secret weapon. LinkedIn is great for this, but it works on Twitter and other things where we work with people that we know, that we like, and that we trust. And if you are active as a leader on social media, you're demonstrating your values, you're showing your integrity, you're showing what you believe in, you're showing what you know, and that attracts employees, that attracts customers, that attracts partners who want to work with you. And we've always known that the CEO is the face and voice of the brand. We are now at a stage where that face and voice needs to be online. They need to be visible. And it's a big mindset for a lot of leaders who want to be in the shadows, who don't want the spotlight on them. But the thing that we help them realize is this is something they're doing in service of their company. When they have the courage to stand up visibly on LinkedIn and share what they believe in, share how they're treating their employees, sharing what they're doing for their community, sharing their knowledge, bringing generosity, that ultimately benefits their company. And so the way that we're competing with other social media services is we're the only company that's focusing on the executive rather than the brand. And we've, I think it's a huge trend that we're on the forefront of and uh, really excited for the road ahead. So I'm curious, how do you work with an executive or a CEO on, on their social media presence? Obviously, they're probably not the ones doing the research for the, certain, for the posts and, and flushing them out and everything. But, but when the interaction starts to take place from a certain post, is the CEO themselves involved in that? or? Because obviously you don't want to pretend to be the, have somebody pretending to be the CEO um, that yep. can really bite you hard. So how do you how yep. do you work that where it doesn't become overwhelming for the CEO, but yet they're still engaged? So the way that we do it, it takes an hour of a CEO's time per month, and that's kind of the the maximum we want to take from our clients because they're really busy. And and the way that we work with them is exactly the way you and I are interacting right now. It's all interview driven. 
and, and having, you know, being a big fan of podcasts, I realized like, wow, when you have a conversation with someone, they end up sharing knowledge that they might not even be aware that they have. Yeah. So each month we meet with our clients, we ask them questions, they just talk and we take the transcript from that conversation and turn it into posts. But it's already their insights, their words, their phrasing. We're just packaging it in a way that works really well on LinkedIn. And the nice thing about this is the next month when we meet with them, we can say, hey, Joe, we did 30 posts. When you talk about leadership, it does really well. But when you talk about how to do marketing, no one really cares. So we're going to avoid that in the future. And so it becomes really iterative, but it's a very efficient way for our clients. As far as the comments, it really depends. Um, Many of our clients manage the comments themselves and they respond. Our larger clients, we take care of the easy comments. Like someone says, hey, Justin, great post. I can have someone from my team respond to that and say, thanks, Joe, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a very generic comment. Sure. But what we do is we surface the comments that are really important for our client. And we'll email that CEO and say, look, this person, they're a PhD, and they ask this really detailed question about artificial intelligence. This is a comment worth you responding to. And so it's just a way to help them be much more efficient with their time. And so sometimes they'll wait until you notify them about, hey, you want to make a comment on this because it's a good post or, or a good inquiry. And other times they'll be in there on their own. You, you just work with them depending on the personality and the availability. It depends on the personality. Some people are so you know dialed in and compulsive and type A personalities. <laughs> They're all over it. Yeah. You would be surprised the number of CEOs that the very first thing they say on a sales call is, I don't like social media. I don't get it. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> and so we can help them because we can you know, really make it easy for them to interact in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And of all the platforms out there, do you mess with very many of them or are you primarily <laughs> LinkedIn? And, and why is that? In 2023, just LinkedIn, uh, it's a better level of decision maker. There's a lot of very senior people there. I think the quality of conversation is much higher. And also, you know, we, we like to say we'll, we'll be in Twitter on Twitter next year, but Twitter, a, a tweet can go viral in a negative way. Oh, yeah. LinkedIn, I like to say, is bumper bowling for social media. It's really hard to get something in the gutter. By that, I mean, if you make a mistake, or if your post isn't good, very few people will see it. If your post is really good, a lot of people will see it. So there's really no downside to being active. And so we like to start executives there because it's a very risk-free way for them to get comfortable with, with social media. There is a lot of value to Twitter and to YouTube and even TikTok and all these other platforms. But for most of our clients, LinkedIn is really where the money is. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what kind of numbers can you share with us? Uh, whether it be number of clients or, um, you know, how, how good is business going right now? Yeah, it's great. Our first, very first year in business was, uh, we did a million in revenue, which is you know better than I've done in my first year of business ever before. Yeah. And at the end of the year, we had a very small team, a team of, um, There was just three full-time employees and a lot of contractors. 
Um, we are now, you know, you and I are talking in April. We just hired our 10th employee. So we've quadrupled in just three months. Um, and we should at least double our revenue this year. So the hope right now is each year to double, at least double in revenue and just keep at this pace. Cause I just feel like we're the first people taking advantage of a really big trend here. Yeah. Are, are you able to share like, like if a CEO wants, wants to help you manage their LinkedIn or, or social yep. media, like what kind of, what kind of costs are involved for an individual or the, or the company to have you guys do this for them or what's the range or what can you share with us? So usually right now we tend to work with companies who have about a hundred employees and they are usually, if they've raised money, they've usually raised at least 20 million in funding. So we're tending to work with CEOs who are at much larger organizations and our pricing starts at 3,500 per month and we have higher packages as well. Um, there is, you know, we definitely want to be able to work with smaller companies and we have ideas on how we can do that. Um, I can also, if people reach out, I can share some free or near free resources to do this on your own. Okay. But usually, you know, when companies are smaller than that, it's much more about sales than marketing. And so they generally don't have a lot to invest in their building their brand. That becomes much more important when you're hiring 10 people a week or 10 people a month, or you're raising money and, and things like that. Then you really got to have your company and your personal brand really dialed in. Uh -huh. So can you give any good examples, um, you know, off the top of your head, like, like what does this look like for most companies or most CEOs? Uh, like just tossing out an example, like, well, we worked with a construction company and yep. we found that, you know, posts that showed picture of the construction site and then the CEO explaining what was happening worked great. Like what, what kind of, is is it so broad you can't that everything no, is different not at all? It's a very it's a very curious. universal pattern. So okay, the first yeah, thing great. is you have to publish content very frequently, okay. and by that for our clients that's two to five times per week. Okay. Um, if you don't publish that frequently, it's very hard to get attention because there's so much noise out there. So the first thing we aim for is two to five times per week. Right. The second thing is eighty percent of the content we create is educational in nature. So if you're in the, in the construction space, what do people in your industry want to know? How can you teach them? How can you share? How can you add value for free? If you can do that with a photo, even better. And then last thing is, you know, reposts on LinkedIn don't work well. Sharing articles don't work well. What does work well is original content. Usually that's text. If you have a relevant and original photo, include that. If you want to do original video uploaded to LinkedIn, great. But don't don't drive traffic away from LinkedIn because that's going to be penalized by the algorithm. Interesting. And you've been able to develop this model over time just watching the statistics. How are you able to um, quantify all this? Uh, is it, does the company see... Is it just attention on LinkedIn that, that proves the concept or is it some type of conversion that takes place after the attention on LinkedIn? So that's the great thing. You know, when a, when a CEO goes to a conference and they give a speech, all they have is applause and maybe laughter or head nods to know what's working. 
on LinkedIn, we can tell you what's working, what's not, who it's working with. We get a lot of data. So we can tell you based on views, likes, comments, shares, which content is working. And LinkedIn will even tell us by geography, by title, by size of company, by company, who's actually responding. So we can show that it's a relevant audience. And we have clients who have said, you know, uh, one of our clients hired 10 people last month. Every single person mentioned the CEO's LinkedIn post for a reason they applied to the job. Really? So we're able to track this back to the harder metrics. Yeah, that's phenomenal. T 10 people applied and all 10 of them mentioned. Uh, okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, no better validation than that. That's that's amazing. Yep. So Because sometimes yeah. you can get a lot of attention, but... you. Or is something really coming back or is it not? So it's great that you can actually quantify it without a doubt and everybody involved, yep. you know, agrees with that. So, yeah. um, you know, that's yeah. real. So, um, well, tell us more, uh, tell us how to get a, get a hold of executive presence and uh, who yeah. might be your, you know, whether you're looking for ideal clients or somebody who may want to work yeah. with you in the future. Uh, how do we find you? Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Uh, our website's executivepresence.io. Uh, my email is justin at executivepresence.io, or it's easy to find me on LinkedIn. And if you know of any CEO who's got 100 employees, excuse me, or raised uh, 20 million or more in funding, we'd love to work with them. Send them our way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I do want to give you the last word. If you're talking to those that are still in the military, recently got out, veteran types, military spouses that are looking to start their own business, get involved in entrepreneurship. What kind of advice comes to mind? I, I think um, take your time. I think I was in a rush when I left the military, even though I'd only served for five years. I feel like I was trying to make up for quote unquote lost time, which isn't true. And I wish I would have just viewed my career through a longer lens of what's the skill that I need. Okay, I'm going to start a company. I need to be good at sales. Who can I learn from to teach me sales in two years rather than me figuring it out on my own for five years? And so take the long lens. You've got a very long career. Even if you do 30 years in the military, you've still got 10 to 15 years working. That's a long time. So don't feel like you have to rush to the end state. Think of the skills you need, how to learn them, who to learn them from. It's much more efficient to learn on someone else's dollar than your own. So build up those skills, build up those net networks. And then when you're ready, you can jump off and start your own company. That's awesome. Well, hey, Justin, uh, thanks for your yeah. sharing your veteran entrepreneurial success story. Yeah. You're doing, doing great. Already sold two companies and the third one's well on its way. Highly successful. Uh, look forward to seeing your future success and uh, check back in with us in a year or so and uh, we'll, we'll see how you're doing. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show... Leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>